I can't speak for you, but I only can speak for myself. But I don't like to be around people with a bad attitude. It's just, it just pulls you down. All they, all they ever say is stuff that's negative and stuff that's wrong and they're against everything and you know how it goes, just on and on and on. I almost feel like I need to go to the doctors and get a shot to be able to, you know, like a be positive shot, you know, after being around people with a, a bad attitude. It does nothing for you, does it? It doesn't help you in any way. And James gives to us three attitudes, two that we should not have, and one in order to be able to succeed in this life. Because all of us are planning to succeed or fail. And depending on the attitude that you choose, depending on the attitude that you choose, will determine if you're planning to succeed or fail. See, your attitude, it is a choice. I'm going to probably mention this again. It is a choice. You say, well, it's my circumstances. That's the reason why I am the way that I am. No, your circumstances may be bad, but you don't have to have a bad attitude about the circumstances. There are times where you can be overwhelmed by something. Your heart can be grieving. You can be going through a great trial. And you feel very down. You feel very negative. You feel very maybe depressed, despondent, discouraged. Put whatever you want in there. But you don't have to stay in that attitude. You can decide to praise God even though you don't feel like it. You say, how do you know that? Because I've had to do it plenty of times. When everything around you is telling you, you have a right to have a bad attitude. Things aren't going the way that you thought. You're trying to do what's right, but everything that you try and do what's right, it seems like everything's against you, so you have a right to have a bad attitude. No, you don't. None of us do. And James tells us, that we can have two wrong attitudes towards God's plan for our life. The first one we looked at this morning and we said that, that the, the first wrong attitude is that we disregard the plan of God. We disregard the plan of God. And I gave to you three things that you, how you know that you are disregarding the will of God or God's plan for your life. How do you know that? You, you live as life is certain. You live as if life is long, and then you live as if you're not weak. I gave them to you, A, B, and C, right there, boom. And, and that's how you know if you're disregarding God's plan. You live as, li as life is certain, you live as if life is long, and you live as if you're not weak. And I said that I believe most people, most Christians... When they disregard God's plan, they're not doing it intentionally. I mentioned to you that sometimes we just get caught up in the things of the world. 
But then James drills down a little bit further. He just doesn't, and I don't want you to think now, as I was driving on the way in, I was going over the message once again in my mind, and I don't want you to think that if you just disregard God's plan, well, it's okay. It's not okay. And that it's not sin. No, it, it is sin. We need to have God's, God's desires, God's plan on the forefront of our mind. But I, what I, my point was, I don't think it was intentional by most Christians. But we need to make sure that God's plan for our life is intentional. But then, uh, James, as I mentioned, he drills down a little bit further. I want us to take a look, if you will, at uh, verse 17. Verse 17. Because here we see the second wrong attitude. The second wrong attitude is found in verse 17. It is this. You can write this down. You defy God's plan. You defy God's plan. This is going a little further than just disregarding God's plan. This is actual disobedience. Take a look, if you will, in James 4, 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So James says, now that you know the right thing to do, when you don't do it, it's sin. When you defy someone and you defy someone's standard, it, we call it this way, we call it disobedience. You say, well, why would people choose? Yes, they choose to defy God's plan. Why would people choose to do that? Letter A, you can write this down. Here's the reason. You live in a state of pride. You live in a state of pride. Listen, it's kind of funny to think about, uh, kind of funny to think about having a problem with pride. Because just about the time you state that you don't have a problem with pride, <laughs> you do. <laughs> See, pride is universal for all of us. It's not, a, it's not a personality trait. I've told you before, it doesn't matter whether you're A, B, C, or Z personality. You can be so laid back that you're going backwards, but all of us have a problem with pride. And, and, and the problem is, if, for all of us, if left unchecked, it can be a, a monster that was out of control. I recently read about a, um, a megachurch pastor who was terminated because they stated that he lacked humility and accountability, and, and accountability. He did not want anyone telling him what to do and was unwilling to take direction or counsel from anyone. And somebody might say, well, he deserved to be terminated for that. He was unwilling to see areas in his life where he needed to change. He knew what needed to change, but he refused to change. Therefore, he shouldn't have been in that position of leadership. But before you and I are too quick to condemn that individual for a lack of humility and wanting to follow corrective action, we act in the same way when we know God's will, but we don't do it. We act in the same way when we know God's plan, but we don't do it. We don't act humbly. We don't want corrective action. We know what to do, but we're not going to do it. 
And James says to know to do good and not to do it, it is sin. It's like this. You would say, God, I, I, I know what you want me to do, but I prefer not to do that. You know, God's really not concerned with our preferences. He's concerned with our obedience. See, though we probably would not say that directly to God, that's exactly what we're saying when we do not do what we know God wants us to do. But when we don't do what we know God wants us to do, it really goes a step further than, than, than God, I know what you want me to do, but I prefer not. This is what we're actually saying. When we know this is God's will, we know what God's word says, this is God's plan, but we'd rather live in a state of pride. What we're saying is, God, I really know more about this than you do. See, we don't like statements like that because that's the state, they're the type of statements that where the rubber meets the road. But think about it, when you and I, we don't follow God's plan for our life, when we're disobedient to God's plan for our life, that's exactly what we're saying. I know how to direct my life better than you know how to direct my life, God. I know the plan for my life that's better for me than you do, God. We don't like to hear things like that because it's too confrontational, it's too in our face, but the truth of the matter is, when we defy God's plan, that's exactly what we're saying. When a person chooses to defy God's plan, it's because they have a problem with pride. But letter B, it's also because you live as if God's plan is optional. You live as if God's plan is optional. God's plan is not something that we can accept or reject. Warren Wearsby and I read a lot uh, uh, from his commentary on this and other commentaries when I was studying. He said this, the will of God is not an option, it's an obligation. It's true. The will of God is not an option, it's an obligation. I was talking with someone after this morning's service and they said, Pastor, I was, I was praying about this thing and I know that this is, God, this is what God wants me to do. And I told another individual, another Christian, about what God wants me to do. And they said, oh, you shouldn't do that. I looked right at him. I said, disregard what that Christian has told you and follow what God has told you to do. See, it's not like somebody else can tell you God's plan for your life. Now, there are certain things that we can take a look at but they're, uh, from God's word. And I can say, now, I know that this is God's plan for your life. I can't tell you specifically, though. I remember when I was contemplating about uh, uh, becoming a preacher and pastoring a church, and uh, my dad did everything that he could to talk me out of it. I mean, he did everything that he could to talk me out of it. You said, why would he do that? Didn't he want you to become a preacher? Oh, he wanted me to become a preacher. But he wanted to make sure that it was because God had called me to become a preacher and not because I was following in daddy's footsteps. See, somebody, there have been those who say, well, I can tell you God's plan, God's plan for your life. Well, let me tell you something. I can tell you some general things for every Christian, but I can't tell you the specific thing. And if God has told you to do something, as long as it's not against his word, and by the way, God will never tell you to do anything against his word. Never. You say, how do you know that? Because you can't separate God from his word. Then no matter what anybody else says, you need to follow it. 
See, we like to think when it comes to God's plan for our life, we like to think that we have a choice in the matter. But we don't. You may reject God's plan for your life, but that doesn't mean it's okay with God. You may not follow God's will for your life, and I may not follow God's will for my life, but that doesn't mean that, you, that it's okay with God. And when we make the choice, yes, it is a choice. When we make the choice to reject God's plan for our life, we are living in sin. And again, that's not okay with God. You say, well, why do people sometimes make the choice to defy God's plan? Because listen, so many times people think following God's plan for one's life, it will be a life of misery. Let me tell you something. Not to follow God's plan for your life is a life of misery. But whenever you follow God's plan for your life, whenever you follow God's plan for your life, it's not a life of misery. There may be some hard things you have to go through. There may be some difficult circumstances. But let me tell you something. When you know that you are in God's will and you're following God's plan for your life, Though there are hard circumstances, you can look at that and you can say, this may be hard, but I know I'm right where God wants me to be. See, one even might think this evening that even though they have not followed God's will for their life and that life is going just fine, you say, well, I haven't followed God's plan. I know what I was supposed to do 20 years ago. I haven't followed God's plan for my life and everything's going fine for me. And it may seem that life isn't very difficult for them. It may seem that they've escaped all the difficulties of life and they're just following their own plan. I've got one question for you. It may seem like everything's fine, but I do have one question for you. If you're not following God's plan for your life, what are you going to say to God when you meet him face to face? And he says, why didn't you follow my plan for your life? Well, because I couldn't make the kind of money that I wanted to make. Couldn't live where I wanted to live. I don't know what the excuse will be, but let me tell you something. It's not going to fly with God. I want you to take a, Luke, a, a, a turn over to Luke chapter 12. I want you to see something here. So if we are going to plan to succeed, we must not defy God's will or God's plan for our life. Take a look at Luke chapter 12, if you will, please. You defy God's plan when you live in a state of pride. You defy God's plan when you live as if God's plan is optional. It's not. Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, or the Lord, his Lord's plan, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did not commit the things worthy of stripe, and did commit things worthy of stripe, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Those who are deliberate and disobedient to God's 
plan for their life are going to be chastened by a loving Heavenly Father until they submit. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Turn there, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. God will not allow us to, quote unquote, get away with it. There are consequences. You say, well, you just, you just stated that there are some that seem like they're getting away with it. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much the rather be subject unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What does the Bible say? For us that knows to do good and doesn't do it, there's chastening. You say, but what about those people who profess to be Christians and they're not following God's plan for their life? Well, there's two things there. You say, it seems like they've escaped the difficulties of life. Well, there's two things there. Number one, Hebrews tells us they may not even be Christians. Listen, folks, just because everybody claims to be a Christian doesn't mean that they're a Christian. Anybody can say anything. But number two, you say, well, what's, what if they are Christians and it seems like they've escaped the difficulties of life and they could be in jeopardy of losing heavenly rewards. See, the problem is, for some, that doesn't mean too much. And that ought to concern you if they say, well, I'm not too concerned. That ought to concern you. It lets you know that your eyes are on the temporal, not on the eternal. Because when you and I get to heaven, the only thing that's going to matter is what we've done for Christ and what will bring joy to our hearts is all the things that we've been able to do for Christ and be able to give back to Christ. See, we defy God's plan for our life when we live in pride and when we live as if God's plan is optional. See, it may not seem like a very serious thing today, but when you and I, when it's all over and you and I stand before God one day, when we stand before God one day, that's when it's all going to matter. That, that's when it's all, we're all going to realize how serious it was. Some of you have young children and, and teenagers and, and, and you know, you're, you're caring for others. You have a family and you decide not to follow God's plan for your life. Listen, you know, you could be affecting future generations because of that. I'm not saying that's an excuse for them not to follow God's plan for their life, but what I'm saying is you can be putting a damper on what God wants to do in their life. You can be hindering them. See, it's important that we all follow God's plan for our life. And James gives us these two wrong attitudes. First, he says the wrong attitudes towards planning is disregarding God's plan. And secondly, defying God's plan. 
But then he states right in the middle there, verse 15, the right attitude. This is the right attitude to have if we're going to plan to be successful. Take a look at verse 15, if you will, please. And James chapter 4. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Number three, you are to pursue God's plan. You are to pursue God's plan. Now, when you pursue something, what do you do? You go after it. And pursuit has the idea of intention, going after something. Every single person who is a hunter in here, if you hunt for anything, you know what it means to pursue. Or if you fish, or whatever the case may be, you know what it means to pursue. You're going after something with an intent to catch that animal to be able to eat. Or, or maybe you, you grow a garden, or whatever the case may be. You're, you are growing that garden, you are pursuing after that what? So the fruit of the ground will come forth, and you'll better eat those vegetables. You're going with intent. There is a purpose behind it. And you and I, we are to pursue God's plan for our life. There are a lot of things we go after, though, isn't it? There are a lot of things that we pursue. But the one thing, that, one of the things that we ought to pursue above all others is God's plan for our life. You say, well, how do I pursue God's plan for my life? Letter A, put this down. If you would, please, you obey God's plan for your life. You obey it. Once you know it, you obey it. The Bible says here in this passage of Scripture, if the Lord wills, It's his plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. But it's his plan. If the Lord wills. It's not a magic slogan. It's not something we just throw around. But many times I will say that to people when somebody says, well, I'll see you tonight, Pastor. I'll say, if the Lord wills. And I'm thinking, well, God may take me home. I don't know that. God may take them home. See you tomorrow, Pastor. Well, I don't know that. I'll say, if the Lord wills, because I may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. Why? Because I'm submitting myself, when I say that, I'm submitting myself unto the plan of God. These business people weren't. They were doing their own thing. But I'm submitting myself to to God's plan. And there's no question that there are some things that God has for every single Christian. I told you before, I can't give you a specific plan that God has for your life, but I can tell you some general things. Here you go. This is part of God's plan for your life. Number one, you might want to write this down. Every Christian, every Christian is to share the gospel. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thought that we were a gospel-sharing church. Every Christian is to share the gospel. It's the truth. Everybody is. You say, well, I can't get up there and walk up and down stairs, and I can't get, walk up and down sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. No, but you can put tracks in your bills. You go to the doctors, don't you? Yeah, that's about the only place I go now, preacher. Well, you can hand out tracks to all the nurses, all the receptionists. You can hand out tracks to the doctors. Matter of fact, they might start giving you discounts. What? Yeah, because they, they may not want to see you, so they might give you discounts. Look, if you just stop sharing the God, we'll get you in and out really quick. You might be able to get your appointments moved up, <laughs> you know. But every Christian is to share the gospel. You say, well, I just don't have the gift of evangelism. Every Christian is to share the gospel. 
Here's, here's something else I can tell you about God's plan for your life. Every Christian is to give to the work of God. Man, it's a rough crowd. Every Christian is to give to the work of God, and it ought to be your local assembly. If this is where you hang your spiritual hat, you'll say, well, I, li- I give to this church over here, I give to that church over there. Well, good. When you have a tough time, call them. I'm serious. Don't call me. Well, I can't believe that. Well, I can't believe you wouldn't give to your local assembly. This is where your brothers and sisters are. This is where we're supposed to help. Well, do, do, this is your family. Remember that? We're gonna, we're gonna, we are family. Remember that song, okay? <laughs> yeah. We're going to turn into a little spiritual ditty, you know? <laughs> Every Christian is to give to the work of God. Every Christian, here you go, here's another plan for your life. Every Christian is to avoid immorality. Oh, good, we're getting a little bit better. We got off the gospel, we got off giving, now, now we're getting, Okay. Every Christian, here you go, is to pray. We're all to pray. Every Christian is to study the Word of God. I mean, these are just some very basic things that I can tell you. You say, how do I know God's plan for my life? I would start right there. That's where I would start. These actions are a part of every plan a part of the plan for every believer's life. And God has a tailor-made plan, though, for your life as well. God has a tailor-made plan for your life. And it's imperative that each of us know what God has for us. And the only way that we are going to know what God has for us if we're obedient to him. See, listen, God doesn't call us all to the same work. God doesn't call us all to the same avenues of ministry because we all don't have the same gifts for for ministry. We don't have all the same talents or abilities. But God does have a specific plan for every individual's life. See, listen, God does not reveal his plan to the casual, to the careless, or to the curious. God's not going to reveal his plan to, oh, just, uh, let me see what God had to the casual, to the careless, or to the curious. See, when you don't know where to start, you ought to start where God started for everybody. But secondly, if you're going to obey God's plan or pursue God's plan for your life, let her be. You have a living relationship. You have a living relationship You say, Pastor, well, let me back up and, 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 and say it a different way here. I, I do want you to, I, I, I want to be careful because I, I want to give you hope. Because if you haven't followed God's plan for your life, Now listen, 
if you haven't followed God's plan for your life, it's not the end of everything. Now, now, now listen, I, I want to I preface my remarks. There are consequences, no doubt. But God wants to bring us, if you submit now, you say, Pastor, I've been living out of God's plan for my life for 40 years. Listen, it's not the end of everything. But God will be able to take that and use that and bring you back into his plan. You say, can you prove that to me biblically? Yes, I can, and I'll do that in just a moment. But I put a quote down here, when God, when God cannot rule, he overrules. What, what, what he means by that is that when we don't follow God's plan for our life, he can, he can bring it back around and overrule. Amen. See, when we don't allow God to rule in our life, he can take it and he can eventually use that as we submit to him. You say, well, how can I, how can you prove to me from Scripture that God will do that? How can I have hope, Pastor? I, I've, here you go, I'll give you one scriptural, one scriptural example. The life of Abraham. The life of Abraham. You say, uh, what are you talking about? Remember, God had a plan for Abraham's life that he would have one son. And that son... Through that son, the Bible says, through his heir, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Well, Abraham got a little impatient. And after waiting some years and no son coming, what did he do? He talked with his wife, and his wife said, well, you can have my handmaid, Hagar. And he went into her, and she bore a child. What happened? She came, that child, Abraham named him Ishmael. And that child started to grow up, and, and Abraham said, well, look, this is, this is the heir. And God said, no, it's not. That was not God's plan for Abraham's life. But what did he do? When Abraham wouldn't let God rule, God overruled, and he gave him the promised heir. See, what I want you to understand is, and I'm not saying that this is an out, and look, Listen, there are a lot of consequences when we don't pursue God's plan for our life. So, young person, I want you to think, well, I can go do my own thing, and then I'm going to... No, that's not... That, that's telling me right there that you're not in a right spiritual condition. But what I'm saying is, if you've lived disobedient unto the Lord, it's not all or nothing here, and, and your life is done, it's over, it's ended, you have no chance, no... God can use that, and he can overrule, and you can be back in fellowship with him. See, <clears throat> though there are consequences, God can turn it around. You say, well, pastor, what do you do if you're still living obedient, if you are living obedient unto God? And you have a living relationship with him. Pastor, I believe that I'm pursuing after God's plan. I'm asking God, God, I want to do, you have my life. I want to do what you want me to do. But you're still unsure. What do you do then? You start with the things that you know you ought to do. You start there. 
and you do them. And you continue to do what God has told you to do until he reveals more specifics. What are you talking about? Share the gospel. Give to your local church. Pray. Study the word of God. Be pure. Live holy. Those type of things. You do what you know is right to do until God reveals specific plan. And listen, you know what I found out about God's plan for my life, uh, for, for <clears throat> pursuing God's plan? <clears throat> when I went to Ohio to go pastor there, I thought we would be there for the rest of our lives. I've told you that before. I never went there with the intention to be able to say, well, you know, I'm going to go there and then one day maybe I'll get to come back to Open Bible. I never went there with that intention. Me and my wife, we decided we were going to stay in Ohio for the rest of our lives. We loved it there, and this is where God has planted us. And I followed the example. I, I looked at my father, and he stayed basically in one place for the majority of his life. And I thought, well, that's probably what God will have me to do. I, that's the way you can have a fruitful ministry. That's the way you can see over a long haul people's lives changed and those type of things. But I tell you that to, to say that it wasn't one day I woke up and there was this great flash, there was this news flash in my Bible. George Riddell, you need to go to Open Bible and become their next pastor. There was no great news flash. There was nothing like that. What I did was every day I got up, I spent time in the Word, I prayed, I shared the gospel, I gave to my local church, I attended faithfully, I was involved, and I just continued to do that day after day after day after day. A matter of fact, the deacons came to me three times, and the first two times I said no. The second time, my dad called me and said, the deacons wanted you to call, call you, and uh, <clears throat> uh, they, they want you to consider coming back as pastor. I said, Dad, next time you have a deacons meeting, make sure you tell them I'm not coming, I'm never going to come, and I don't want to come, and never to bother me again. Tell him not to ask anymore. He probably ignored that because they called the final time. <clears throat> and then they said, would you please pray about it? I said, okay, I'll pray about it. But my point is that it didn't happen in one sudden flash. It happened in steps where, God, I just continued to be faithful in what I knew. That was the only thing that I knew to do. And too many times we make the will of God, the plan of God for our life, so complicated like it's some mysterious thing. Listen, if you want to follow God's plan for your life, young person or adult or even senior saint, you're saying, Pastor, I want to make sure I'm following God's plan for my life. Make sure you're doing what you know to do today. Yes. Just do what you know is right today. And it's amazing how God will open up doors and he'll direct your steps and he'll direct your path and you'll know exactly what God wants you to do. And by the you cut to uh, a couple years down the road and you're like, wow, how in the world did I get from there all the way over to here? And look, folks, I'm telling you right now, I know it had to be God's will to call me back to New Jersey. You said, how do you know that? Just for taxes alone. I only paid $1,500 a year in taxes when I was in Ohio. Not here. Not, no, not here. No. But in all seriousness, that's the way you know God's plan for your life. See, just be obedient today. I'll give you one other thing, and then I'll close. I didn't realize how late the time was. I'm sorry. My wife and I, we've been praying, to be honest with you, for the past three years about moving. Not out of the state or anything, not leaving the church. We've been praying about moving. We want to get a rancher. 
I don't want a two-story home. As we get older, I don't want to be climbing stairs. I want to live all on one level. I'm trying to think about the future. I don't know how good my knees are, uh, will be, my back, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so <clears throat> I don't want to climb stairs. You say, Pastor, you're only 51. I know, but I don't want to be moving when I'm 65 either. So I'd rather get it done now. But we've been praying for three years. Man, we've looked at different homes. We've been to different homes. We've been all over the place and talked. God hasn't opened anything up. Now, I can do this. I can go buy a home and say, well, God, I can be a better steward. We want to downsize. We want to have less payment. That way we can give more to the work of God and be able to do more. I've talked to you about that in the past. We won't get involved with that tonight. But. And I can make all kinds of excuses, or I can wait on God and follow his plan. Because maybe he has something better. So the choice is this evening, are you going to obey God's plan or are you going to follow your plan? See, we need to pursue God's plan. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 6, doing the will of God from the heart. Three attitudes. Two of them that will help you plan to fail. One of them will help you plan to succeed. This evening, what are your attitudes? What attitude do you have? Is, is God involved in all the decisions that you make? And I do want to make sure one thing is clear this evening. That failure to know or pursue God's plan, it does affect our relationship with God. But listen, not in a permanent way. So I want to give you hope. But there's a greater blessing in following the plan of God from a young age all the way through than trying to make mid-course adjustments. Three attitudes. You can pursue God's plan. You can disregard God's plan. Or you can defy God's plan. The choice is yours.